You're listening to the Private Practice Workshop Podcast with John Clark. This episode is brought to you by Unconditional Media, the digital marketing team for therapists. Unconditional Media helps you help more people. Specializing in services including Google AdWords, search engine optimization, and now Facebook ads for therapists. Check out the services and get in touch at www.unconditional.media. That's www.unconditional.media. All right, we got a great show for you. Let's dive in. Allison, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you. Um, how's it going today? It's going great. Thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. What it's been a while since we've caught up. Um, and I know you're always up to all sorts of things in your, in your, in your practice and your businesses. (laughs) So I kind of know that stuff or I know what's going on on the internet and what I can see, but what else is going on with you? What's happening in your world? Ah, well, I just moved offices and that's super exciting. Um, my husband and I are four days apart and we both just had our birthdays. So yeah, Happy just, birthday. yeah, hitting 38 <laughs> like a champ. How'd you celebrate? Um, how did I celebrate? Well, so here's something about, <laughs> here's something about me. A lot of people assume that because I'm high energy, I'm really fun, um, which I appreciate, but is, um, maybe a little misguided. Um, so I'm luckily married to a really fun person. And so he helps keep me, you know, up and having fun. So for my birthday, what I wanted to do was prime and paint the ceilings in our living room. <laughs> and what he wanted to do was go on a four hour mountain biking ride and then sure. go out to eat. Like and the two. opposite of so, yeah. <laughs> so much. I'm like, I'm off for the day. How can I be productive? Um, so, uh, we did go out to eat. We did that. Um, and hung out with our girls. Nice. We've got a four-year-old and an 18-month-old, so they are, they give us plenty to do. Is is there? I guess there's something gratifying about painting a ceiling, or yeah, I don't know, having like really clean lines or something. What what is it? That yeah. Like about we that? had popcorn ceiling that we scraped okay. off. There's just so little in my life that feels like, oh look, it's immediately different <laughs> and better. <laughs> So I really like manual labor for that reason is like I can work really hard and get an immediate payoff. Whereas, um, you know, like in both our businesses in both of both of our businesses, I guess I should say, um, there's just a lot of putting in effort before you see any payoff. So it's, yeah. uh, I connect with that a lot when I was, um, when I was becoming a therapist, actually, I would, uh, on the week, every weekend I would work on a farm and was like mucking the stalls and literally just painting a fence for seven and a half hours. Um, and yeah, there's something really amazing about having that tangible work and being able to walk away and look at it, but we're not afforded that in therapy or even in, in running an online business or being a coach sometimes. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, it's totally makes sense that getting tangible with, with something is, um, is kind of restorative. Yeah. Yeah. You also got to have more fun than painting ceilings. I know. I know. We did have fun on his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> you can so paint the ceilings that. on a non-birthday. Right. You know, Next time. After. Next year, I'm going to have something awesome planned. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I'll be thinking about it all year. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, um, yeah. So as you know, my show is really trying to answer the number one concern of therapists, which is 
marketing? How do I do marketing? What is it? How do I demystify it? That's kind of um, part of my mission with this podcast. And there's so many angles to take on it. And I also like that every, I think every practice coach has uh, kind of a different angle or kind of that one thing that they really gravitate toward and enjoy teaching. So, um, how do you how do you look at marketing? What comes to mind when you hear that word, and and why do you think it's such a struggle for therapists? Uh, I think that the I'm going to kind of go backwards. Um, I think the reason that it's such a struggle for therapists is because they haven't um, framed it for themselves as a therapist yet. They're thinking about buying a widget. They're thinking about people um, pushing a message that people don't want to hear. Whereas I think of marketing as a service. I think of it like there's a client out there who desperately needs the right therapist for them. Sure. And it is a beautiful service for us to be able to be like, oh, hey, I'm over here. I'm here and here's what I provide. And I sound like a great fit for you. So come on. Um, and when you reframe it as a service to help your clients get the help they need, all of a sudden um, it feels less smarmy and fake and gross. Even the, that one part of, hey, I'm over here, I'm, I'm good at what I do, or I'm good at helping these people, I think is can be a hurdle for, for some therapists, right? It already feels yeah. like, oh, that's too salesy, or that's kind of self-indulgent. Um, but we've, we really have to kind of get past that, right? So how do you help people get past that? Well, I think I end up helping people a lot through imposter syndrome. Yeah, um, that's, that's people huge. are so often comparing themselves to other people or they're feeling like they don't have all the information yet. Um, and, and like none of us are going to have all the information ever. So uh, one thing I do is look at the evidence that you're good at what you do. Like look at those client interactions you've had where the clients left and you've done like a little dance or felt like, damn, yes, you know, we've all had those, I think, at least one of those moments. And if you can kind of ground yourself into what was going right, um, I think it's also making sure you're marketing for an ideal client instead of like, yeah, I work with everybody, come on in. Like that feels a lot more salesy than, um, you know, I help people who are in the throes of an eating disorder and feel like they might never find their way out. And I'd love to help you um, find your path. Like sure. that to me feels like, oh, okay. Like you do know what you're talking about. You can help. Absolutely. Well, and I, I think, I mean, there's uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the idea of Johari's window. Um, there's these different panes of the window, um, in terms of our self perception, like how mm -hmm. we see ourselves, how we think other people see us, how they actually see us. And then think how they want how we want people to see us something like that um, but there's a good bit of discrepancy between those and that really plays out with imposter syndrome right so I think one way to work through that or even to just get some compelling uh, copy on your website is to bring in the opinions of others whether it's your clients are asking for a little bit of feedback about from them or people who really know you well, your colleagues and, and letting them help you kind of fill in the gaps in terms of how do I describe what I do and what I offer and how am I different? Cause sometimes it's hard to see that in yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think with the imposter syndrome too, it's looking at, um, like the imposter syndrome is not a sign that you're not good at what you do. The imposter syndrome is a sign that you're growing. Absolutely. And Ideally, we experience imposter syndrome a ton in our life because we keep growing. And anytime we're in a new learning curve, we're going to be uncomfortable and feel less than. And I think a lot of therapists wait until the imposter syndrome goes away. Like I kind of need to wait for the scene to go away or they don't even go into private practice at all until it 
quote goes away. Yeah. And I think the, uh, what's essential is to move forward with those feelings and know that the more you kind of take action and put yourself out there along with those feelings, that those feelings actually start to kind of die down a bit and get, get quieter. Um, the more you actually just step into the role and just kind of own it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Which is so similar to what many of us do with our clients, right? It's like, keep making values-based decisions, keep moving forward. Um, rather than being like, Oh, this is hard. I quit. Yep. Absolutely. What, um, yeah. So I, I think there, there are some hurdles to, to, to overcome when a therapist thinks that it, they aren't quote good at marketing or they might think, okay, I know I need to do this digital marketing stuff or I know I need to do blogging, but I'm not good at that. So they get kind of stumped. They get uh, down on themselves and they feel like, well, then marketing is just not for me. Right. So the, mm -hmm. but the way I see it is that there's so many avenues for marketing yes. and that's the beauty in it. And you can truly play to your strengths. But I think a lot of therapists don't necessarily know what, what their strengths are yet, or they just get really overwhelmed at the thought of X. Yes, absolutely. Or they think they're supposed to, like, I can't build a practice without a social media presence. Yeah, you I've totally can. Facebook. Can we talk yeah. about that for a second actually? Oh yeah. Man, that is driving me nuts a little bit lately with like therapists brand new to private practice and they're like, well, I just know I need to have my Facebook page up and run up, you know, put $500 into Facebook ads. And I'm like, who, who told you that? <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that what happens is, especially when people are new, is they're consuming so much content. Like they're listening to our podcasts and they're reading our blogs and they're just, they're learning all the things because it makes, you know, it makes them feel safe. Yep. Um, and like they're, they're taking the right direction. And I think that there's a misunderstanding and I think we could all probably be more clear of like, here is a marketing option. Yeah. <laughs> this is not something you have to be doing. I see a lot of people doing like 10 or 15 different marketing strategies all at once. And it makes me just want to take a nap to think about it. Um, <laughs> instead of like really going deep on the things that you're good at and you enjoy, which is likely to bring in the clients that you love to work with. Sure. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I think people just need a starting point, right? Um, and to, to kind of figure out what that is. I think there's also a, a distinction, or maybe it's worth clarifying, like you might see, uh, for instance, practice builders and practice coaches doing a lot of social media or let's say even using Facebook Live a lot. That's another thing. I was talking mm -hmm. to Ernesto about that yesterday and a lot of therapists are like, oh, I need to be doing this Facebook Live thing because I see everyone else doing it. And um, again, I think that's great if it plays to your strengths, if you like using video, if you are repurposing that content and maybe downloading the Facebook Live and putting it on your website for clients. But um, again, there, I think a lot of therapists go to Facebook to connect with um, practice builders in, in, in these different online communities or your Facebook group or, or, or whatever. Um, and so they see everyone else using it and they go, oh, I should be, I should be doing that. And the keyword is always should. Right. And then I feel behind. So I just do it or I try to get more likes on my Facebook page. But when's the last time you got a client from a like on your Facebook page? Right. right. Yeah. If you don't have an actual strategy in place, then you're not actually using your Facebook page for marketing. You just have a Facebook page. So if, and, if someone is wondering, should I use social media or let's say someone is kind of new and just trying to figure out how to get clients online, where would you start them? With, with 
Facebook? No, just or in, just in just general. In general, yeah. And if they're online, saying, yeah. well, I think having an incredible website is number one. Like online, like if you don't have a great website, and that doesn't mean it has to be custom made with all the bells and whistles, but you sure. need clean design, great images, incredible copy. Um, if you've got those things and it's all geared strategically towards one ideal client, then you're halfway there. <laughs> um, and, and then it's looking at what else do you really enjoy? Like if you mm -hmm. like writing, then blogs are great. Yep. Um, if you tend towards the verbose and your website, your initial, um, website copy was like 70 pages. Um, there's an indication there that you could probably make a ton of blog posts out of everything that you cut that you want your clients to know. Right. Sure. Um, if you don't like to write, but you like the idea of, of providing weekly content or monthly content, then, and you're willing to try video, then I think video is a, a brilliant plan. Mm -hmm. And I think we're, we're going more towards the way of video anyway, just based on the research that's out there and how much, how much of the internet's content that is consumed is actually video. Sure. So I'm a personally, I'm, I love to write. So I'm a huge fan yeah. of blogging. Um, I've, I'm certainly more comfortable with video than I used to be. Um, how, I hate did, Facebook how lives. Get, how did you hate them? Oh, I do them anyway. <laughs> I um, have guessed. well, thank you. Um, cause I'm a lot less of a cardboard cutout than I once was. Um, <laughs> but but Facebook lives, I get a lot more anxious, yeah. um, for some reason, I guess, cause I can't do like 50 takes cause I stumbled over my words yeah. probably. Yeah. Um, but in, to that end, they're also even more informal than my usual videos. So people are willing to forgive whatever. Yeah. Um, sure. so yeah, you were going to ask me a question. Though. Well, how, how did Sorry. you work through that? How did you get better at, um, at using video? Oh, so I have a funny slash sad story about that where um, I put in all this effort into creating these videos for a launch a couple of years ago for my, um, I do like a group for people starting their practice. And so I put in all this energy and effort into three different videos and I, you know, had the fancy lighting and whatever. I showed it to my personal mastermind group. I was like, guys, I feel like this is like, I feel wooden. I look terrible. Like it's not me. <laughs> And they were like, oh, Allison, you're so hard on yourself. Just screen share and show us a little bit. And we'll be honest. Um, and I played it for like a minute and then I turned it off and it was like silence. <laughs> and <laughs> my friend Sue, who is like, Sue, who you were on my podcast yeah, talking about, yeah. actually. Um, she was like, uh, yeah, you can't use that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, Just it's that bad. Honest. She's like, that is totally that bad. You cannot use that. <laughs> Um, so I was like, okay, so I have to practice. So what I did is every day I would get out my phone and for like one to three minutes, I would just do a video on my phone and then I would make myself watch it. And then it just, I just delete it. Um, cause the goal was basically exposure therapy myself, um, as opposed to creating great content. So it took some of the pressure off of creating amazing content on the fly, mm -hmm while also um, making me a little bit looser and able to be my, um, my Muppet-like self <laughs> um, <laughs> um, instead of like this, like my name is Allison Perrier of Abundance Practice Building. Yeah. Welcome to my video, right. you know? Um, and I also had a video done by Ernesto from oh. filmit.com and um, just being able to have a conversation and it kind of proved to me I can show up on video because yeah. I felt like I was just talking to my buddy Ernesto sure. instead of my computer screen. So 
Yeah, you, that was the you, thing that made a difference. You made a crazy video recently that was like, <laughs> I'm like, this is like Hollywood status of quality and editing and green screen. And I'm like, where did you even get that green screen? Tell me how you did that and, and what that process was like to go to what I assume was a studio and like really go the full distance with that video. Yeah. So I hired, um, these filmmakers here in Asheville, um, called solace films. And I had like networked with a guy, one of the partners from there, maybe a year and a half ago. Um, and just kind of stored them away in my brain. And I'm, um, I'm a quick action taker and I'd been listening to a bunch of podcasts. I was out in San Francisco, your old stomping ground with my Mm -hmm. friend Tiffany. And I was listening to all these podcasts on my way out there about like the importance of video, da, da, da. And I was like, okay, well I'm launching this membership site. Like I need to be big time. I need to make a video before I launch and they need to have time to edit it. So basically I need to film a video in the next week and a half, two weeks. So (laughs) I was like, Hey, any chance you guys are up for this? And they happened to have like a one day in between projects that they could squeeze me in. Um, so we went back and forth with some concepts, most of which got cut, um, because I, <laughs> I just wasn't good at selling it. Um, cause there was going to be more goofiness than even me flying through the air. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was really, it was a cool experience. It made me have to watch myself on video over and over and sure. over to work on the edits with them. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I felt, I felt kind of big time. I was a little like nervous and shaky as soon as I left for, you know, hours of like, <laughs> I don't know, like all my adrenaline was just like, okay, now you can go crazy. Um, well, it and- kind of forced you to rise to the occasion, right? Cause you're also like kind of making a, you know, an investment in, using these people and their time and their equipment and all this stuff. So it was kind of like, well, I kind of have to get it right, you know, yeah. and, and, and do as many takes as, as, as required to, to really nail it. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was crazy expensive given like most of what I spent on my business. It was more expensive than most of the expenses I've had. Sure. So there was also pressure of like this, you know, this needs, yeah, this has to work. Yeah. Don't <laughs> choke. Um, and it was like, you know, three cameras and three people in the room and all these, this fancy, I don't know, film stuff. So sure. it was, yeah, it was an experience. <laughs> Moral of the story is that there's no, there's no shortcut to getting better at doing video. The, the path is do a lot of video and probably uh, suck at it at times and be oh, yeah. really self-conscious and work through it and, um, and, and don't give up, you know, just kind of be persistent with that. Or again, just choose a a different medium, whatever that might be for you. So you've got options, but if you're going to do something, do it, you know, commit to it, let yourself kind of be bad at it for a while. Um, and, and, you know, just kind of be gentle with yourself too and, and have fun with it. Well, I, um, I would be amiss if I didn't talk to you about networking. And I put in, in the prompt for you, I put networking in quotation marks because uh-huh. I almost feel like we have to define that a little bit. A lot yes. of people will just like, oh, how do you get your clients networking? And I'm like, what, but with who and how and how do you do that? And um, is that really effective? Because I see a lot of therapists, uh, especially in the very early stages, going, I know I need to network. And so they're going to go on, I don't know, seven coffee dates in one week with other therapists who may or may not be really beneficial to them in terms of advancing their business or let's say becoming a referral source. So there's even this difference between chatting with colleagues or people who are in the same boat with you and might share your struggles, but they're not full either. They're not getting full. They, um, you know, they're not, they're not a referral source for you. 
Um, so I know you did this, this crazy networking thing <laughs> where you saw, I think it was 2000 people in 10 days or something like that. Something, <laughs> something like that. No. You just stood in, a, in, in like one place and had a line of people. That, does, that makes my, my 90 and 90 sound a lot less crazy. Um, <laughs> like, speed, like speed dating. Totally. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I did 90 networking dates in 90 days um, when I first moved to Seattle. Um, and and that's not something I recommend for people. Um, <laughs> so I want to throw that out there for everybody who just threw up in their mouth good a little. To, yeah, good to know. Um, yes. yeah. yeah, that's um, that's if you are moving to a new city and you're highly extroverted and outgoing and super lonely, um, that's a great thing to do. <laughs> Otherwise, um, you can pace yourself. Um yeah. So I, I would like to kind of define networking as not, uh, the glad handing, yep. um, yep. like going to a place where a million people are and wanting to hide in a corner kind of experience. Um, I would say that networking is, is building relationships with colleagues. So if you take the pressure off of yourself of having to sell yourself, then really what you're doing is you're going to coffee with somebody who may be a referral source for you and you may be a referral source for them, or you might not click and you might be like, I would never send referrals to you. And that's okay. You know, it's like dating in that way. Sure. Like it's not going to be awesome every time. There's going to be some duds. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that if you take the pressure off and if you're strategic, because our time is really valuable, even if you feel like you've got way too much of it, I still want you to treat it as if it has value. So to be clear about who, who your clients are likely to go to first. Sure. So I work with folks with eating disorders and some of them go to therapists first and some of them go to dietitians first. And so for me to network with the eating disorder dietitians and you know, the different States that I've started practices, those were always like some of my go-to people, my favorite um, most effective, most bang for your time and buck people to network with are the people who have the same niche that you do and are full or nearly full. Yep. I, um, I couldn't agree more. So just to summarize who thinking about who do my clients go to first and then mm -hmm. who are the people that share my niche and are, um, and are full. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm one of those people who's full and I have probably filled three people's practices to the brim and yeah. keep them full in town because I trust them. Yep. And if yep. it takes the pressure off of me as a full clinician, instead of it being like, why does this person want to network with me? I'm like, Oh, thank God. Cause the people I've been referring to are full right. and I need to know, I need to know if I can trust this person. And I'm not, I'm not going to know that, um, just by their name or their reputation. Like I want to meet them. Well, and they're leveraging your marketing efforts in a way, right? Because people are calling you, but you're full. So you're sending them elsewhere. I mean, when it works that way, it's great. It's obviously worth your time. It's good to have those relationships, but the key here is be, be thoughtful about the relationships that you're forming. Don't just, <laughs> I don't know, kind of like dating, right? Don't just date anybody. <laughs> it's like right. do a little bit of that research and, and a little bit of that um, preparation to figure out like, uh, who should I be spending my time with and what am I hoping to get from this? Yeah. And so I think that that can bring people to the next question of like, okay, so if somebody is meeting with like this ideal referral source, basically, like how do I get referrals from them? Um, and the answer is not to ask for referrals from them. Yep. <laughs> it's to show up, to be yourself, to get to know them, to see if you guys match up clinically, if you think about clients in the same way. And usually if you do, you're not going to have to be like, well, that's great because I have some openings. <laughs> um, you know, you can just talk to them 
let them know you have space if they ask, but they're going to keep you in mind if they're full or nearly full because they like, it's a lot of pressure. If you like, I love my client population. And when somebody calls and I can't take them on, if I didn't have a good referral sources, I mean, I might have moments of poor boundaries and take on somebody when I'm already too full. Sure. Right. And that's not good for anybody, but if I have great referral sources, it takes that pressure off. Yeah, that is, that is critical. Um, so, and what about in terms of marketing, let's say with referral sources, people that are clearly referral sources, how do you, how do you approach that? So like, give me an example. Uh, you have doctors, <laughs> school counselors, um, right. Dietitians. I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So with dietitians, it's, you, it's kind of like therapists. Like they have, they usually have similar kind of setups, whereas doctors and, um, school counselors are they have protectors, <laughs> right? Like sure. it's harder yeah. to get in to see them. Yep. So there's often somebody that you need to go through to get to them. So one of my favorite things with, I mean, if you know somebody who knows them, then that's an easy end with doctor's offices. If you can, um, for me, it makes sense for me to communicate with doctors because a lot of my clients have some medical issues, um, or may have medical issues soon as a result of their disorders. But, um, if that's not your niche, and maybe your, your person has anxiety, but doesn't have medical complications as a result of that, you can still get in touch with their doctor and say, um, you don't have to name the person unless you have a release and it's relevant, but to say like, I have some clients who see you, I would love to chat about how we can collaborate with clients. Sure. Um, and it kind of gets you a foot in the door versus dropping by and being like, here's my card. Um, because those are most likely just to go into the recycling bin. Um, if you don't have an in of somewhat in some way, if your clients, if it's relevant for you to talk to the doctor. And I think that that's a, it's an important piece. Cause sometimes old people will be like, will you sign a consent for me to talk to your doctor? And they'll use it as networking leverage, even if it's not clinically relevant. Sure. And I feel like that's not ethical. Um, but if it is clinically relevant, then having a good working relationship with the doc, it might be sending them um, like letters with updates. It might be hopping on the phone with them. We tend to be pretty verbose and um, people in the medical community tend to be used to kind of like um, like 30 second quick updates about sure. what's going on. Yep. So I would write down the major points instead of giving all the details just to be that's, that's um, conscious helpful. of their time. Just to highlight that kind of speaking their language a bit, right? It's the same thing of like, I don't know if you're going to network with uh, someone who works on Wall Street. You need to kind of speak their language. You're not going to yeah. slow down and use this really like therapeutic language and make them really antsy. So um, adjusting your communication based on who you're talking to. Yeah, absolutely. Because you don't want them to be like, oh, God, Allison, I don't want to send her more people because I don't want to have 30 minute conversations with her. I don't have time for, right. you know. Yeah. yeah, this is this is super helpful. Um, so w what else do you feel like is kind of missing from the conversation uh, regarding marketing right now and in, in our field? Oh, that's a really juicy question. Yeah, it's, um, a, it's, it's super wide open. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the things that's missing is like the emphasis on going deep on very few things. Cool. Yeah. Um, and being really strategic about what those are. Like I think a mix of in-person and online works really well for most people. Um, so maybe you're networking and you're blogging like that kind of thing. 
But I see so many people burning themselves out trying to do so many different things yep. and feeling like failures. And of course, you're not going to do it all great if you're burned out and burning the candle at both ends. Some some listeners are probably um, probably kind of uh, um, smiling right now because I, I've said something really almost precisely that uh, recently, and I say it a lot in terms of um, I see this overwhelm happening, so I, I recommend choosing two marketing strategies, right, and just try to get good at those. People are constantly trying to do too much, trying to do Facebook ads, Google AdWords, SEO, uh, in-person marketing. Uh, it, it's just it's just incredible how, the, the kind of pressure we put on ourselves to, and, and then we yeah. end up spreading ourselves thin and being and really not being good at any of these things. Um, right. And and I think kind of how uh, I, I think some clients t can be either too much in their head or too much in their feelings that we have to have kind of a blend of both and we have to help mm -hmm. them achieve that balance. I kind of I, I kind of look at therapists in a similar way in that. Some people maybe are doing too much in-person stuff and it's not going anywhere and they're not doing anything digital. Um, so I would say like, you know, find some balance with that. Do a little more digital, maybe a little less in-person um, and vice versa, right? So f um, j just to have a balanced um, and, and kind of comprehensive marketing strategy that isn't just one thing or isn't just one, um, one kind of medium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, high five. I'm glad we're in agreement. <laughs> <laughs> a little osmosis for you. Right. Um, <laughs> Clearly it's the answer. I think so. At least right <laughs> now. Um, well, so are, are there any kind of uh, other concrete kind of actionable tips that therapists can take? Um, and again, my other kind of spiel at the end of most episodes is, all right, so you're going to hear a lot today. You're going to, you might be battling that feeling of, oh shit, I'm not doing enough. I need to be doing more. I should, should, should be doing X, Y, and Z. Everyone else is farther ahead than me. What do you, what do you say to those people and how can they walk away from this, this episode today feeling like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take a small bite and, and, um, and, and kind of go with that. Yeah, I think, I think assessing where their strengths are before they make any choices around marketing. Sure. Um, I think that that can be, and that might be sitting down to journal about it, um, just because otherwise you're putting all this energy and effort into something that's not not a natural fit, right? And we've all been in those relationships. We're going back to dating again, right? Yeah. Like we've been in those relationships where we're forcing it. If if you're doing something right now that feels like you're forcing it, I'd really like you to step back and figure out why it feels that way. And if maybe it's just, you need to break up with this marketing <laughs> the <laughs> effort that you're making. Yep. Um, and conversely, and this is the hard thing is sometimes we mentioned this earlier, actually at the very beginning, look how we come for full circle. Yep. Um, that's right. That's how we do it. Right. Like we're planting a lot of seeds with marketing. It's, I have never done something marketing. Well, that's not true. I have rarely done something marketing wise where I was like, <laughs> here's something I'm offering. And a minute later, somebody was like, I want it. Sure. Where do I sign up? Yep. You know? Yeah. Um, so I think that that's something to consider that there's, there's some seed planting. So sometimes it might feel like you're doing a lot for very little, um, payback. Yep. It's, and it's hard to see how that seed is growing. Yeah. So making sure that the thing you're doing is actually something that, um, isn't awful for you. Because if it's awful for you and it takes forever to grow, like you're not going to continue doing it. Well, and I think this is where you bring in um, 
kind of the numbers in your private practice to Mm -hmm. make decisions and look at, okay, I ran Facebook ads or I ran a Google AdWords campaign and hopefully you're already tracking how clients are finding you. But then can you look at how did my numbers respond based on this, uh, based on this new thing that I did or how many clients have come from that doctor that um, I spent time networking with and bought, bought them lunch or whatever it is. So just like, you know, you can answer your own questions and, um, kind of mitigate your own anxiety about is this working by um, just really being aware of um, what's working in your practice um, based on the numbers. Yeah. And data can be so fun, even if you don't feel like a natural data geek, like (laughs) data and painting ceilings. Yes. That's going to be your new, your new thing. I've totally just like (laughs) described myself as like a big old nerd and I, I'm fine with that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> fun, fun is all relative. No, I'm, I'm sure you have fun in, in other ways. I do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, Allison, this has been a lot of fun. Well, see, this was fun. Podcasting There we go. Fun. See, and, I uh, agree. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're weird because we find a lot of fun in talking about practice building uh-huh. <laughs> and private practice, but we wouldn't do it if we didn't love it, right? Totally. Um, Allison, how can people get in touch with you and what do you have going on right now that you want to promote? Oh yeah. So abundance practice building is, um, is my website and I've got my blog, my podcast is on there as well. And I have this awesome membership site that I'm super proud of. Um, you can find that at abundance party, which is spelled just like abundance party. Um, but I've got courses in there. I've got, um, one-on-one opportunities. I have a great community, um, monthly trainings, all sorts of great stuff. Um, and it's $39 a month. So it's, it's the cost of a copay. That's great. That's a great value. Um, yeah, I think people are, yeah, people are going to get a lot out of that and get this consistent support, not just this one time, like spend a thousand dollars on an e-course and then never do it. It's, it's, you're kind of breaking things down and giving them bite-sized pieces each month. So I, I really like that. I think that's definitely something that's missing, um, in, in practice building right now. So um, Yay. yeah, congrats on that launch. <laughs> thanks. Um, it's been amazing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> it's been fun to watch. Um, Allison, thanks again for being here and, uh, for sharing your wisdom and, um, I hope you have a great day. You too. Thanks so much for having me. Cheers. This episode was brought to you by unconditional media, the digital marketing team for therapists. Unconditional media helps you help more people. Through digital marketing services, including Google AdWords, search engine optimization, and now Facebook ads for therapists. Get in touch and get started at www.unconditional.media. That's www.unconditional.media. All right, as always, I so appreciate you being here. If you haven't already done so, head on over to iTunes and rate, review, and subscribe to the show. All right, hope you have a great week. I'll see you next time.